to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person discovering my own mindless behaviors. Um, I'm going to repeat this. I'm a person discovering my mindless behaviors. Um, In the uh, nearly 10 years of doing Food Freedom Radio, we've reported on so many problems in the dominant food system. More than half of Minnesota's lakes, rivers, and streams are now classified as impaired. Impaired. Globally, half of the topsoil on the planet has been lost in the last 150 years. In 1929, 40% of honeybee colonies in the U.S. died, and that's just one of many insects in decline. 40% of the world's insect species are now in decline, um, according to a, a 2019 study. And the die-offs are primarily because we're losing the habitat to farming and urbanization. It's the use of pesticides and fertilizers, climate change. So we're in the midst of a sixth mass extinction on the planet. We are in the midst of a sixth mass extinction on the planet. Why are humans causing all of these consequences? Is it because of mindless behaviors? And that's the topic of today's show. Um, joining us is author Beatrice. Uh, Beatrice has a new book out called Mindless Behaviors, Breaking Through Unseen Barriers. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Beatrice. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, tell us, give us a little bit of your background. Okay. um, I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I came here in the early 2000s. And yeah, so my parents are, I'm Nigerian American, so I'm the first generation. So immigrant. And yeah, went to school up here, went to college um, and finished. And so... With that, through my time, I developed a business, um, a business consulting firm called Mindless Be- um, Mirror Inc. Actually, um, and I specialize in strategy, planning, logistics. So I do marketing, branding, events, and really got really um, good in um, helping people, especially small businesses and entrepreneurs, um, create the lifestyles they they want. So back six years ago, I started. Um, my social initiative called Mindless Behaviors, which took me a little bit to um, to develop because it was it was a lot, and it was kind of a lot of my uh, what I've been feeling, a lot of what I've seen, and like even my life's work. So with that, I actually launched it in 2018. I started it in 2014, but launched it in 2018, which is now a social experiential platform that basically raises awareness about unconscious biases that keeps us stuck in our daily, um, in our, our daily lives. So I'm um, trying to impact the world in my own way. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's what we're all trying to do. And, and now, so your, your new book that just came out a few months ago, it's very readable and it's 140 pages. And I must admit, I appreciate how readable this is. Um, I, for some reason, my attention span, I think it's, Due to the phone, it's kind of gone down. But this was a kind of a page turner. It's a very, very personalized human way of talking about these key problems we have in our society right now. Mm-hmm. And so, one concept that you had in the book is how past experiences affect our present. You want to talk about that? Yes. So that particular that particular um, chapter came out from a lot of, um, different experiences that I 
um, came in counselor with. And of course, it's just um, in the story, it was kind of like a gumbo of a lot of situations that happened that probably potentially didn't happen, but it has a lot of um, truth to it. I noticed when I wrote it, I noticed that a lot of trauma and a lot of things that happen in, um, in our lives, we keep passing it to the next relationship and not even um, acknowledging what actually process what we're thinking. So we're always coming against our bitterness versus our lessons. And, like, once you become, like, bitter, you're literally, like, shutting yourself from the opportunity of someone coming in that is could be great. And in the... Um, and the story with Brian and Rebecca, Brian was struggling with um, the death of his previous girlfriend that he couldn't let Rebecca in. And that pain, he was bringing it in in a different way to the next relationship. And that's why I feel that it happens over and over again. We always say time heals wounds, but really, does it really heal wounds if we're not really acknowledging what those wounds are? How are we going to heal it? And like sometimes it go. It, sometimes it can be someone coming into your life, a traumatic event that had happened, or it's it's a mist of you going breaking down. And I think that this is a very prominent issue that is actually going on within our society and even within our close circles and our the relationships that we are in today. Right. So, um, so the, your book has these short stories. So, um, Brian and Rebecca have been seeing each other for several months now, and Rebecca's like, Brian, let's get closer, and he's not getting closer. And then Rebecca's thinking, oh, I'm just a failure at all these relationships, and they're just so distant, and they're thinking about breaking up. And finally, they talk, and and then Brian shares that uh, we were together for four years, and she died unexpectedly. Um, her first relationship, she um, she called in the middle of the night, and he wasn't there to answer the phone. So she he had all of this pain inside of him that he could not let out. Mm-hmm. And then so he kept kind of being stuck in that bitterness. Yes, and that's correct. He he couldn't move past those moments. It's almost like playing a horror movie in your head over and over again. So your life is moving, but you're still stuck in that movie. Right. And go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, why was Brian unable to share with Rebecca? I feel like he, I feel like to me, I feel like he, he felt that he failed the previous relationship um, with the, um, with his ex that died. And he felt like that he was going to do the same thing. So what he did is basically block that potential because of the potential of failing. So one of the things you do in this book is um, you ask your readers to reflect on what past experiences they haven't gotten over yet. And so tell us what yeah. you haven't got over. And I, I came up with one that um, I was actually um, surprised at. And that was um, when I was in elementary school, I was usually the last person to be picked for sports teams. I mean, I came into this world not having the best eye-hand coordination. I wasn't fast. I was a very poor <laughs> sports player. But what was done in the system, I, I mean, I'm still, I was surprised at how I still kind of carry this demoralization of what it was like to be on the team and waiting for your name to be called over and over and over again. And then how did that result in me? I, I mean, I did not then want to be involved in any sports because it was sort of a, a negative. You know, it sort of, it was, it was something that was um, charged. 
Um, and so, I mean, even um, even to this day, I know I bought new skis and I haven't really gotten into it. And so, I mean, this this idea of once we've gone through a difficult situation, we can become frozen in it rather than allow ourselves to process it and heal from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I totally agree. One of the things that um, I know we probably hear it like a broken record, but failure is one of the biggest things that people fear. And when we failed, it's like almost like that's kind of like it. We can't do I, I'm I'm totally not good at this. I'm going to shut away from it. And sometimes it's just kind of like what if is us believing it's that, men, it's that mind, mental trickery. So, like, we're believing that it's going to be doomed so it becomes what it is. So even though we fall so many times, it's like, okay, you know what, since this is happening to me over and over again, I'm really not good at it. Maybe it's just not the moment. You just haven't got your breakthrough. And failure is, should be actually acknowledged and actually be a really good tool to become better and to even evolve to the next level or whatever we feel the next level is. So, Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, also we have this um, almost a cultural architecture. Um, You know, there are winners and losers, and this is the right way to do it. Rather Mm -hmm. than, um, you know, I would really uh, like to leave the next generation or live in myself in a really abundant culture where we see and know each other, where we love each other, and we're embraced for us just being who we are, not told that we have to be a certain way in in order to be okay. And is is that part of what's fueling our mindless behaviors is that this lack of connection to heart-centered um, realities? Yes, it is um, one of the biggest reasons why I feel like there is so big much, it's so big of, we have a sense of duality, so it's us against this, um, us against this me, they, you know, all of this divisions that is created, um, that's created, and like, you know, it's either right or right, um, right or wrong, or black or you know black or white and there's no gray areas there's no color so when you're like you said architecture society when you're looking at things already like um structured for you you don't you don't venture off and there's no color there's no coloring in black or white it's just like it's just not there so but what if we mix it up and become and start to like you know be more connected and be more heart-centered. How, what type of world would we live in? And that's where the lessons comes in from that perspective. Right, how we, how we open up and have those conversations from the heart, because that's not really modeled in our current culture. I mean, we, we don't, we're so much, we, have, we hear so many people insulting and blaming and putting each other down. How, why don't we hear more about people bringing each other up? And how do we, you know, go into the space to have those brave conversations where we can create um, a cultural architecture that works for all people and for the planet? Yes. So we can have more freedom and more heart. So we're going to continue our conversation with the author of Mindless Behaviors, Breaking Through Unseen Barriers. And uh, we'll be back right after this break. Lost that pretty smile and you won't tell me why. Tell me why. It's plain to see the love lights go now in your eyes. 
Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. Uh, we are talking about mindless behaviors, breaking through unseen barriers. And with us is author Beatrice and Adenote. Um, hi, welcome back to Food hi. Freedom Radio. Hi. So you want, we wanted to come back and talk about um, slave culture. What, what did you mean by that? Oh, um, the slave game. Slave well, game. <laughs> yes, the concept of the slave game um, that I talk about in my book is that it's the concept of us, like, when we're born, we're given an identity. Then we, go, then we go through school, and we're basically, we learn all of this different types of um, subjects, type of things, and, like, but another thing that we learned is, like, racism, heartbreak, disconnection, this, this all these negative things. So there's a ton of negative things that we learn and positive things. We learn these traditions, these values, and, like, you know, once you get into high school, you want to get into that better college, so you're struggling. You want to get into as many activities, get into as many, like, different plays and whatever you, whatever your path was, right? Mm-hmm. So you get into college, and you get into college. Sometimes people get into the best schools, and others don't. People drop out, and then you then get out and then you get this better job. And then you work, 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 of course, till you're like 60, 65, and then all of a sudden you're retired, right? So, and then next thing you know, you're just in this vicious cycle, right? The cycle goes from one generation to another, doing the same thing over and over again. And the concept is like, well, who puts us in this one perspective of living? Why are we... How, do, how are we not venturing into different perspectives? So there's always multiple ways to get to a solution or there's multiple paths that we can take. So it's when I um, talk about that in my book, I'm like really venturing into like what were these perceptions that we're basically tied to that is keeping us to live in these circle of lives? Yeah, that's 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 wonderful. And I'm going to connect your um, conversation here to a, a book by um, the anthropologist David Graeber. Um, he wrote this book called uh, "BS Jobs," um, and uh, but he um, he said he contends that over half of society's work is pointless, which becomes psychologically destructive when paired with work ethic that with a work ethic that associates worth work with self worth. Um, he points out that the productivity benefits of automation has not led to the 15-hour work week, as pr- pr- predicted by economist John, John Maynes Keynes in 1930. So, you know, when I was when I was in the 70s or 80s, the Jetsons, we were all supposed to work only part time, and we were supposed to have this future, but we haven't. And when we think about how these mindless behaviors um, are also really damaging water and soil in the future generation, it's like it's so pointless it seems so daunting yes a lot of and i totally agree and a lot of the industries is based off of pain mm-hmm. and is pain self of pain and psychological misery of people so like i'm not going to mention too many but like let's think about the pharmaceutical or the different um the different foods and stuff like if people don't get sick then um, if people don't get sick, the pharmaceutical 
um, companies or the medicines won't take off, right? So it's almost like there's things, basically, they're kind of like cobwebs of industries. Basically, it's kind of like a vortex, a never-ending vortex that is very dark and that erodes the system. Um, It's very parasitic. So, like, I feel like some of the industries are um, just made and is based off of human pain and, like, sickness and like I feel like that's kind of like some of the part of the slave game of how do we break through and create systems that are sustainable for all right and you look at plan absolute uh, our products we we keep things and throw them away this throwaway culture clothes mm-hmm. we've thrown away so much all this environmental problems it's like we're all stuck in some churn thing how do we pause and move on and and then what is helpful I think as I understand your book is if we can pause as individuals, and sort of figure out our own way first, then that will affect the collective. Mm-hmm. And it's through self-mastery that we can actually help each other. And mm. if we haven't mastered ourselves, how can we help the, uh, the communities that we're servicing? So we're lost. And like we, and like we're not trying to be lost or anything. It's just that, like you know, we're so we're we're Hank. We were taught one perception of living out of millions of possibilities of being. So where can we? Where do we get that? Where? How can we break through those barriers? That's kind of one thing that I really wanted to ring home in my book. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, talk about what happened with your full time job in twenty in twenty thirteen. Oh, in twenty thirteen. Yeah. So I was tra- <laughs> I was training for a software company, and yeah, it's in twenty thirteen. It was kind of a it was a I was saw people when I was in training. I just looked around and people were just on their cell phones. And they weren't paying attention, but I was asked to um, come in and um, do the training. And there are times and moments that I I was like, why am I here? Why am I really here when, when no one is listening and this is supposed to be their job? And it made me, after me saying, why am I here, I had to step back and it's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> am I feeling that I need to this job because this is the this is the cultural one perception of way of doing it or I'm just trying to conform. And I can I was in a battle with myself for a long time until I had to have my own breakthrough. And so in the book you say uh, dead end jobs, toxic relationships, emotional barriers, blind faith, fear-based choices, and you say those are like standing on the shorelines of life. What did you mean by that, standing on the shorelines of life? So I I feel like those are different barriers that happen to keep us not um, ascending, evolving to the next level. So I kept myself in those shorelines. And like I kept myself, if I was, if I was the independent person, I um, I really won't need that community. Or if I stay in this relationship, um, I stay in the relationships because I don't, I didn't want to feel abandoned, um, abandoned, right? I was in this fear-based, um, blinded faith because 
that's what I was taught, that I thought that this was the direction. I thought that this is my faith and that's it. And I didn't have no options, you know. So, and some of that kept me in the shorelines and not going to sweep, um, swim into the ocean. So keeping those barriers up and not getting to the next level of um, evolving and, and next, finding yourself. Next level of finding yourself. So we were, we we're talking about mindless behaviors, um, breaking through unseen barriers. And we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. Satisfy my soul Belonging for change And in the bad times I fear myself I'm off the deep end Watch as I dive in I'll never meet the ground Crash through the Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, and this is Lady Gaga playing on the election night. She was playing for Biden. I just loved her singing. And uh, we are talking about mindless behaviors, breaking through unseen barriers. With us is author uh, Beatrice, Beatrice um, Adedonde. And um, um, Beatrice, you were talking earlier about it was like standing on the shorelines of life. And, yes. and so how did, can you connect that with that Lady Gaga song? Yeah, so like, wow. Um, I love that song, by the way. I do too. I do too. It's cool. Um, out on the shadows. And the thing is that with the stand on the shorelines of life, we always torn between like, should I keep myself in my pain or should I actually fall to see where I'm, or swallow or swim, see where I'm going to go, right? And will I be able to crash or will I be able to potentially fly and swim? And in that, it's a very, I actually really like it because it, it gives you, like, literally a vivid of, like, this could potentially be tragic or it could be something else. And for that fear of that unknown, that's why we're keep, that's why we kept on the shorelines a lot. It's because of that, um, if we step out into our power, what type? We, we don't know what's going to happen, so that's why we stay on the shorelines. And that's the other point of your book is how we step into our power. And so you suggest seven things, um, seven aspects you, you talk about in your book, uh, the mask we wear, unrealistic expectations, enabling bad behavior, not following intuition, seeking a quick fix, um, letting past experiences affect the presence, and living in pandemonium. So let's go kind of one by one. Um, so what do you mean by mask we wear? Um, we're not living in our truth and our authentic self, and so we are kind of like not really aware um, so I, I talk about situational awareness and, and um, internal awareness. And, like, the, more of the situational is more of the environmental. Internal is, like, being aware of who you are and internally actually going within. And I feel like 
we wear so many, we wear different masks through many um, settings. And by us doing that, we're exhausting ourselves. And, and if you're not realizing what mask you have in, it kind of like, you kind of get lost in your own life and really complacent. So right now in 2020, we're wearing the physical mask, but we've been wearing masks for so long that we don't even know we're in a, we're in a, I, I remember someone telling me that it's so, it's so unreal now, but I feel more comfortable with the mask now than not even having one on. Hmm. Wow. And I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so what do you think is, 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 is behind the mask? I mean, it's a sense of armor maybe, or it's, what, what, what do you think that is? Fear? It's a face. It's fear. Um, it's, a, it's a face that we want to put on. It's a face that we feel that we need to put on because of fear of judgment or fear of people talking bad about us. Because even though we're all, like, connected beings and um, we all emotional, so we want people to like us. We want, you want to, we want to matter and feel valuable. And if we don't, we want to adjust to that situation. And that's kind of why we are just always constantly having these masks on. Yeah. And um, so another, another aspect is the unrealistic expectations we can have of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, there <laughs> is. We need to give ourselves grace. I mean, we can run ourselves to the ground. And without knowing, and that's where the identity comes in. Without having that real identity, we can run ourselves dirty. <laughs> like That's why I say run dirty. But um, the reason, with the unrealistic expectations, we put so much limitation. And that goes into the failure. Like, you know, with you um, talking about athletics. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, you feel that you failed constantly, constantly, constantly. There is an expectation for you to do that, that when that did not be, it was, that wasn't achieved, you were pushing and pushing, and if it, when it didn't break through, you just gave up and avoided it. Yeah, and so to repeat, but, in case someone just started, so, like, one of the things you asked in your book is to reflect on, uh, one question was reflect on past experiences that might still be living with you. And for me, yeah. it was the pain of being a kid who was last to pick, last to be picked on the sports teams. I mean, I still remember that, mm-hmm. and so how that still affects me. And so somehow having these unrealistic expectations would be that well, I'm always supposed to be picked first or something. You know, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah, and yeah, and then along with that is talking about. Um, I know in my particular story, this is about Lisa going through a divorce. And she had this big job, and she did. She, it was the job that she wanted. But for her, her job made her, it led her to some of the issues with her divorce. But like she went after something that she could achieve in her head. So there is a sense of abandonment when we're um, when we start to put ourselves in unrealistic situations as well. Yeah. And then um, on Chapter 3, uh, you talk about enabling bad behaviors. Yes. Um, I feel like this is my favorite chapter. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like our close circles and our friends can be our, um, could really basically paralyze us. Because there's no boundaries. 
And when we're in a state of scarcity, we feel like we're abandoned. We abandon ourselves. You know, we, we feel that we, we need those assurance and that security for them to be there. And I think that we enable a lot of bad behavior in our close circles. And sometimes I always say too close to engage. That when we're too close to engage, we really overlook the people that are actually of value around us. Yeah. Yeah. So you tell the story about um, some friends, and they're trying to convince their woman to uh, convince her a friend to go into a situation that she knows she doesn't want to go into, but she kind of does it anyhow. And then she looks at them, and she realizes that they're being entertained and they're laughing. So they're actually, you know, they're doing bad behavior. And and we kind of extremely bad behavior and 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 this is so dominant in our culture right now. There's a lot of bullying, yeah. a lot of meanness going on. Mm-hmm. And so, how do we create boundaries for that? Well, yeah, we do, but we have to acknowledge the condition that we're living within. So we have to acknowledge those barriers and those toxic relationships, and be really real with it. Like, is this something that? I need in my life and if it's not am I the one and like this is it are we taking accountability for that action as I as well I had for me in my stories I had my a lot of my enabling of bad behaviors came from the role of me um, being the giver and constantly allowing people to give um, get take um, take from me but due to the fact that I'm enabling that, we just make it okay. For And for me, I did. And for others, we do that a lot. So we just need to start, um, set healthy boundaries and people will respect it. <laughs> right. And uh, so it's easy to cast judgment on others. That person is toxic. But if you're willing to participate in the behavior, you're part of the toxicity. Yep. And that's this yeah. is, you know, and by realizing where we are participating, we actually open our way up to um, more liberation and more freedom. That's correct. Yep. Okay. And trusting ourselves. Mm-hmm. And being there to hold ourselves in the deep water. Yes, in the deep water. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, another one of your things is not following intuition. And the story there is somebody is following a, a, a major he doesn't like because his dad wants him to be a doctor when he really wants to be a computer scientist. Yes. Um, with the not following our intuition, it always goes down weird. We're, we're torn between morals versus ethics. Like, what is morally right for us and what is ethically, you know, the standard or something. And I feel like with, um, we inherited a lot of garments. I always say inherited, when I say inherited garments, it's like tradition. Like they're passed down or this is, well, if you're in this family, you need to be X, Y, and Z, this, this, and this, and this. And sometimes that's not what our paths are. And we need to follow our guts. Yeah, follow our guts. Follow our guts. And what did you mean by the difference between moral and ethnic? I, I don't know if I understand that. So, like, you know, when I when I talk about, I talk about it a little bit in my book and how, like, you know, morally we have our, um, our moral standards of living for ourselves. And ethically is kind of, for me, is, for me, I define ethics as something that is 
more of a collective. Like, let's say if you're in a company, like the collective, the family believes, or a family structure, the family believes that you should be a doctor. And it's ethically, you should ethically follow those, you know, protocols to be one. Or you don't feel that it's morally right for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. does. Mm-hmm. And another one that I think is um, really common is this whole seeking a quick fix. Um, and you talk about band-aids versus roots. You want to expand on that? Yes. Um, with the band-aids versus roots, there's a lot of band-aids going on. Like, even though the problem is, like, getting deep, the wounds are getting deeper, deeper, we're always slapping different, um, different, like, you know, band-aids on it with the root you're actually getting to the deep-rooted situation so in my story I had like it was a lot of conundrum of a lot of things seeking instant gratification um people like you know with with constantly seeking band-aids you actually end up sometimes leading to different addictions or some things can is like reoccurring issues going on so Finances, the sustainability within those roots is kind of like my big thing and trying to identify them. So, of course, like mindless eating would be one Band-Aid people would go with. And um, and I, I, I think that's a really common one to just kind of look at that rather than trying to go deep and understand what, what's what's living in us and, and how to have that living aligned with our natural selves. Yes, definitely. Mindless eating is one thing. Yeah, I I sometimes do when I'm, like, just seeking some pleasure, you know, the big thing of ice cream mm-hmm. <laughs> and just eat it and eat it. I feel like sometimes that makes me feel better, but it's still not. It, I hope I wake up with a stomach ache <laughs> in the morning. So. Yeah, I just wake up with more ice cream cravings. So <laughs> um, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headline. We're talking with the author of Mindless Behaviors, Breaking Through Unseen Barriers. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back for our last segment. Do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? I'm falling In all the good times I find myself longing for change And in the bad times I fear myself Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, and this is a music from Larry, Lady Gaga's uh, performance um, on Election Eve um, when she was uh, singing. I just found that so powerful music. And we are talking with the author of Mindless Behaviors, Breaking Through Unseen Barriers, um, Beatrice. And um, welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And so the last thing is, uh, this is something that's so 2020, right? Living in pandemonium and chaos. Yes, <laughs> this is our this is our world now, <laughs> living in chaos. And I um, I feel for so long that when I read when I wrote the chapter, um, 
I I just had a really keen eye of like how chaotic our world is and how much um, how much garbage we have in it, like how much like mind clutter that we clutter our minds with. And this year has made us stop and actually really take a pause and reflect on everything that's going on. And even from a humanistic level, and it makes us realize how much we're reflecting. We were, we were reacting to everything. So when we are, when I say pure chaos, what if I say that we've been living in it for a long time? It's just now like we're getting to the point that we're like, wow, I can't believe that this is it. This is our, we have a lot of chaos here. And I feel like sometimes it's hard to like look at it, but it's very important to reflect on what we're doing. So... And yeah, so I mean, if we can reflect, um, and then then we can um, hopefully in that reflection we can gain some spaciousness and some freedom so that we can respond instead of react. Um, but some traumas not self inflicted, and I think that's important to mention. And and you end the book talking about your father's. So you want to you want to share that story with us? Yeah. So um, during the time. Darn towards the end of my book, my dad got deported. And actually it was when, it was a couple of weeks before I actually sent it off to the publisher the final draft. And I woke up that morning writing that chapter. Like I wrote it, I wrote it a day after he, um, he got deported. And I said, well, you know, I have two ways to go. I can like literally, um, drown in my bitterness but or I can actually just write about it and channel it in a different way that is constructive that people can hear my voice can hear me and in that time in those very moments I was basically torn between light versus darkness because my dad had a huge history um, of legal battles within it and then which led to his deportation which wasn't even his fault in an initial um initially and he was he he was in the united states mm -hmm. for 40 years yes for almost 40 years before that happened yeah Mm -hmm. so that my you know my i'm constantly just battling um in the middle of just battling myself and i i just needed to like put that like hey you know what the author here is actually you know acknowledging her her behaviors too and but I'm actually channeling it in real time and giving it voice. But at the same time, I'm not living there. I'm um, actually just um, taking that, um, doing a stop just to basically acknowledge that it's there. So and we- I feel like with, within the pandemonium, just acknowledging our chaos is one of the biggest steps to cleaning it up. And even when we don't have control over that chaos, right? Mm-hmm. Even when we don't have control over it, some a lot of it is not our. A lot of it might not be our mess, but it's our responsibility for us not for it not to affect us in um, in a way that is detrimental to our health. So, do we have a choice over it though? When we experience things that 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 create so much bitterness, do do we have a choice? Do we have um, liberation and freedom to 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 respond? 
Yeah. Oh, you see, we we don't. Sometimes we don't have a choice in the predicaments that we put ourselves in. It's just how we respond to it. Right. Right. So processing those um, process processing those emotions and letting us let it come letting it go go through us, but is in a in a constructive way. So, um, and how is your father doing now? He's in. Um, he's doing. He's doing good. The best he can right now. He's in Africa. Yeah, Nigeria. So you conclude the book talking about sitting in your pain, the widespread crisis of unawareness, and transforming our pain for healing, and leaning into our power to leverage the magic within ourselves. Yes, I I feel like we all have the we all have the ability to evolve and come into our own magic. And our magic is the talents, and our magic is basically stepping out to look at life from a different perspective. And that's one of the reasons why, um, in order for us to get there, we have to go through, like, the pain. We might we have to go through the dark night of the soul or the, the unawareness, and then realizing those inherited, those those perceptions that we inherited, and then from there, take all of that and take make the next steps on how we're going to liberate ourselves or free ourselves from those mindsets. Uh, Beatrice, uh, tell people how they can get your book and where they can learn more about you. Yes, um, you can get my book at www.mindless-behaviors.com forward slash the hyphen book. It's also um, available on Amazon. And yeah, you can actually connect with me there. And um, at info at mirrorinc360.com as well. Um, yeah, those and, are the few things. Yeah. And if we, if we were able to um, in, take care of our individual mindless behaviors, do you think we would have a better world collectively? Yes, because we're doing a deep work. <laughs> Yeah, if you're swimming in that deep pool, then then everything's fine down there. But but it's it, it's there is also um, being alive too uh, to all um, to, to both light and darkness to be be alive to, um, to 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 each other. Yes, and I feel like we need both in order to get maintain get that balance, so we can really appreciate what the true or what our what our golden what if our what our golden ropes are and our golden nuggets. So we we need to see things from an internal perspective of how we're treating each other ourselves, but at the same time the environment that we live within. Awesome. Well thank you so much, Beatrice Odade, um, author of Mindless Behaviors, Breaking Through Unseen Behaviors, and thank you for listening to Food Freedom Radio. <laughs> 